Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. And welcome to the Near and Queer to My Heart podcast. I'm your host, Amanda G. Send in love and good vibes out there and hope everybody's doing well. We are bringing you a fantastic episode. So since COVID happened, as a stand-up comedian, I've been trying to figure out, as I had been beforehand, but what is my place in the world and what is my role and what can I do, you know, with my art without stages to perform on. So a lot of stand-ups have kind of moved to this online platform, which Veronica Garza, our guest, and I talk about in this episode is it's weird and it's different and we're still all trying to navigate it and do the best we can. And also in a context of a lot of bad shit's happening in the world, is this the time for art? Is this the place for art? Is art needed even more so in these times? So Veronica and I go deep in this conversation. Uh, we get a little nerdy with the comedy, but I, I think it's necessary. And I think it helps put perspective on whatever you're pursuing, um, whether it's art or education or work-life balance or your personal life or whatever it is. It's important to have these contexts and these conversations and these thoughts. So I met Veronica at Met. I don't know if Met's the right word. We came into each other's orbits uh, doing an online show, an LGBTQ comedy show, and I saw her and she was hilarious. And I was just like, I really hope she'll want to sit down and have a conversation. And she was totally into it and very open and awesome. Oh, and stick around after the episode. We're going to play a clip of Veronica's stand-up since who knows when we're going to be able to see this live again. But she's really funny, so we're excited she gave us this clip to share. So stay tuned after the episode for the clip. But right now, let's get to it. Let's get to Veronica Garza. Veronica Garza, how you doing? I'm good. I'm good. How about yourself, Amanda? I, I'm all right. I, uh, I, so I haven't met you, met you. I met you. We did a, a queer comedy show I think two Fridays ago and you were hilarious. And I was just like, look, we all have all the time. We have all the time (laughs) in the world. So (laughs) let's see if we could have a conversation. Yeah, no. Yeah. You were so funny too. And I was like, oh, she's in New Orleans. How awesome. Like that was just a thing too. Cause like I mentioned my girlfriends from Louisiana. So that uh, stuck out, but yeah, it was so nice to like virtually meet you. One of the conversations that I'm interested in having, because I have it with myself all fucking day, right. is uh, how how are you doing creatively? So you're, you're, you do stand-up. Right. Um, I'm sure you do a ton of other stuff, too. And so you're probably used to, you know, like I'm used to being out at mics, at shows, doing, you know, different types of things. And then now we switch to this virtual platform, and especially the show that you and I did, it was a show there was uh, four of us on the show, and we were the only ones that had our sound turned on. So mm-hmm. we were the laugh track, basically, even though we had an audience, we had people watching and we could see them, but we couldn't hear them. Right. So it was this like interesting. And then, and then you can also see yourself performing, which is very right. weird. I found that erotic. 
So it's good for <laughs> I you. I love it. I mean, I, I once did a show earlier this year and I remember I told the audience, sometimes I can be an asshole. Okay, a lot of times that's part of my stage persona. But I mean, they weren't all that symmetrical and I let them know. And so this new virtual <laughs> comedy, I see myself and I'm aware of my symmetry. I'll say that. That's okay. If I had to just perform to myself, that's, you know, that's what is it? A comical masturbation, I guess, is what you would call it. I don't really know. It's weird. Like you, I'm so used to going out to mics and doing shows. And I, I also, myself and another comedian, Matt Levy, up until, you know, all the, everything was shut down. Uh, we also produced a show together, a weekly show um, in Williamsburg, Brooklyn. So I had, you know, that was just constantly going on just every day, like grinding. And I was getting booked on things. I was planning, you know, to, cert to do certain festivals and then um, outside of that, you know, it's writing, like trying to think, oh, I wonder if I could submit this writing packet or writing a pilot or just writing sketches that, you know, maybe someone will someone something someone will film with me. I wanted to do a one woman show this year. And it was all these things that I was trying to do. And now that it's on lockdown, it's like, I'm not thinking it's not going to happen. It's on pause. But also it's like, I'm pissed because I want it to, it to happen like now. Yeah, my girlfriend and I actually were supposed to go to uh, Fringe Fest in Edinburgh. So we had started, oh, we'd actually started fundraising and we put together, you know, we were starting to put together a show and we had, you know, all, someone wanted to direct it. We had, it was such a cool, like collaborative kind of awesome. thing. And then, you know, this all happened like two weeks after we made our big announcement and I spent oh. a lot of time putting together like a packet of information and all this stuff. So, you know, I, I understand that. And, and it's I, I stick with the postponed, not canceled. I'm just like, it could always be next year. And that's OK. Yeah, they didn't they didn't tell you it's not going to happen. They just said it can't happen right now. You know, it's it's yeah. it's not like anyone else is out there pulling off their fringe fest show that they were supposed to do nobody's doing the show because everything's on pause so you're gonna do it it's just not gonna happen when you thought it would and you know what maybe it's for the best maybe you're like you know what you're gonna catch something that you want to change in it or something like that and you have that extra time to like twerk it a little bit or tweak it should i say twerk it too do whatever you want yeah we actually hadn't written any of it so we just had a bunch <laughs> of ideas and then are you allowed to tell me what the show was we called it two lesbians one show and basically what is it so i do stand up and some storytelling and my mm -hmm. girlfriend does drag and she's a singer oh dope. so we were gonna do like a combination of everything so like some uh she was gonna do some drag stuff and then we were gonna do some songs together even though i can't sing at all um i was gonna do Stand up, but more like storytelling because uh, yeah. Fringe Fest seems to be more of like a storytelling environment. Just kind of mash it all together because we wanted to have like a show that it was going to be 50 minutes, but like every five minutes you were getting something different. Yeah. So we, we set ourselves up for really high stakes. And um, this, you know, I think part of me too, I, I, you know, I was running four different shows, one weekly show and three monthly shows. And part of me is like, I don't have to do all this shit now. You know, yeah. like I got myself off the hook. <laughs> yeah, like that's but that's good. It's like you don't have that. You can work on that and you kind of have it. You don't have it. You won't have it rushed. So you get to like feel things out mentally, you know, say them out loud and it, let them marinate, which I don't think any of us really have had the time to do that in a long time. I would say even with like jokes or like show ideas, because we're you're always like, I don't know about you, but I'm always working on something. I'm doing something else. Like I'm doing a show. But also I'm working on something else and it's like, but when am I going to get to work on that thing that I'm working on that I'm writing? Because it turns out someone's asking me to like audition or submit for something else. So I have to go back to it. But now I have 
don't have to worry about that. I'm like, I can actually sit down and focus on what I want to. Yeah. So you're so you're doing all right under quarantine, because I've talked to a few people that are having a, a hard time, especially because they're so used to being around other people all the time. Oh, I will say this. My m- the second week, because I was set, we were all sent home from work. My job, I, I have a job in the city. I work for a media, a media group. And March 9th, that Monday, March 9th, someone, I guess, from my office, her husband might have been exposed. So they sent us home because COVID was like, you know, it was here in the US, but it wasn't it wasn't a reality yet. So they sent us all home. And then our CEO told us, hey, you're going to work from home for about two weeks. And I had a conversation with my boss later that week. And he goes, I think it's going to be a month that you're at home. And I'm like, okay, I'm under the impression that it's going to be like two weeks to a month. And I'm like, all right. So that second week, and I mean, there, I'm I'm not going to Mike's, you know, all, all the bars here kind of started shutting down going, hey, you can't have a show here because it's not safe. So all the all the stuff that I was booked on for those two weeks that I was initially just supposed to be home from work. All the shows were canceled. And uh, my girlfriend told me maybe like the 10th day in, I've never seen you so happy. And and it's true. I, I, I think in cities that have like, you know, that stand up, you have an actual scene, you're running, like you're producing, like you're producing your own stuff. Like you have your your three monthlies and your weekly, like you're, you're doing things all the time. So you don't get this time to pause. So it's it's weird. I'm so used to being out there being social. But also when I'm when I'm in, I'm in like if it's been maybe the last time I performed, I'm very lucky the last weekend I did stand up. I had a show that Friday, that show a show that Saturday, because I, I, I got a good tape out of that. And then I had three shows that Sunday. So by that Monday, I, I just was gonna, you know, take the night off and hang out with my girlfriend. Like I'm like, you you know, check in and have just even if we just stayed home and not be around stand up, I like to like do that once a week. So 10 days later, I'm like, Oh, I've been I Oh, I'm okay. I don't I don't need to be around it all the time. I can decompress and feel great. Like I think I'm just slightly introverted. But I miss the stage. It's not it's not as much as being out as opposed to actually performing in front of people. And you know, even failing, like I've said it, I'm like, I miss bombing so much because it's a horrible feeling, but I like learning from it. But I haven't had that horrible feeling in a long time. I mean, yeah, Zoom shows make you feel bad, but it's not the same because you're not physically in front of these people telling them about your babies, which is what I call my jokes, my babies. You don't have to see the face that's not approving. But when you're bombing in person, I'm like, I, I miss that. I, I genuinely do. I do. I, I miss it. So it's weird how much I, I think about I'm like, oh, I love like because I love bombing with my friends. Like I love like, you know, when you're on a shitty show and it's like, you know what? Everyone's going to fucking fail. And it's it's it sucks. But it's great to have that bonding experience, too. And I, I miss that so much. And I have comics that have been my friends since since uh, I started doing comedy here that I miss seeing and I'll check in with them and it's fun to like shoot shit with them after a show or before a show. And I, I just miss, I, I can say I genuinely miss performing live in front of people like people, you know, yeah, it's zoom comedy, but it's not stand up comedy and it will never be that, you know, you, the same thing, like having a mask when you're talking to a person, you're not going to have the same effect on them because they can't see your full face. I can't see the way these people are reacting to this premise I'm giving them. And I don't know what they're feeling. I feel kind of disconnected in some sense. So I can't call zoom comedy stand up comedy, but I'm asked on to be on shows and I'm doing them because I'm like, you know what? you still can work on okay try to figure out how this works and it's a different type of funny I feel and it's it's weird but I mean I like it and it's working for now but I miss the stage I will say that yeah I think with the zoom shows I I have a different expectation for myself because I think it's important to keep performing in whatever you know way it is for sure but it is it's not the same feel you don't 
it's not that adrenaline rush that you get from like a live show right where you're in front of people like you just when I tell yeah. a joke and it connects with somebody or even when I bomb like I sometimes I enjoy that I like walk up and I'm yeah. just like I'm the gay Jewish person who's gonna <laughs> fucking bomb right now and you, you don't want to hear anything I have to say but I'm still gonna do it that's interesting right. to me those experiences oh yeah you learned so much about who you are right so you're you're in Brooklyn right now right yeah I'm in Brooklyn. I'm in, you know, I'm in New Orleans. Which unfortunately, we're both in hubs of uh, COVID. Right. How's how is everything there? Because New York's so uh, hustle and bustle and lively, and here, like even New Orleans, this is our jazz fest season. This is our French Quarter yeah. fest. This is this is our our season where the weather isn't shitty, and we're usually out right. doing all kinds of outdoor shit. And it is desolate and empty when you drive down the streets, and all everything's closed. And it's you know, I don't know if New York's th- the same. Oh my gosh, New York is a completely different New York right now I've, I've been here it'll be nine and a half years in July and yeah like you lived here like you know like it's just everything's moving stuff like Times Square doesn't have tourists like there are no tourists here everything's empty I mean fortunately we've been having good weather but what do you do on good weather days in spring in New York City you're you be the basic bitch that you are and you go out to brunch right nobody's brunching nobody's like hanging out at some like I, I, I live by Prospect Park, but people are hanging out the park, but it's a completely different vibe. So many people are like they're spread. It's just you're spread out. You, you, you know, I ran, I ran into a comic today that I knew and it was like having this conversation without seeing each other's faces. That that was weird. Um, it's empty. Like all the what is it? I think it's I don't know. Is it, is it 40 percent? I don't remember the percentage, but all the rich, rich people left New York City to their other homes. And I mean, we got people around here, but the bars, are I mean, the bars are open, the ones that are open, you can't go inside and chill. You know, you can't patio it can't just I mean, the train is just empty. I haven't, you know, I haven't been on the train since that since March 9th. But everything I've seen, it's just uh, either um, some homeless people or essential workers that are trying to get to work. It's a completely different New York and I mean, I'll say I, I, it's, it's hard to see it and be in it um, in some sense. Like even the street that I live on with my girlfriend, it's in a Park Slope and it's Fifth Avenue and it's, it's a busy street in this for this part of Brooklyn. And, you know, it'll be 730 or eight o'clock at night just when the sun's down and it looks like it's, you know, three o'clock in the morning. It's so empty and that's never the case. Yeah, that'd be so weird, for, especially because New York is, you know, busier than other cities and it's just and it's such a walking city like when I moved to New Orleans I gained weight because of the food for sure but I also oh, gained yeah. weight because when I when I lived in New York I didn't realize how much I walked if if uh, Fitbits were around then I would have been killing it right yeah no it's easy to get 10,000 steps in a day when you're doing your regular New York life and now it's harder because you don't realize you know or even, like running from show to show sometimes too you're like oh I gotta I can just walk instead of taking it's two train stops you can either take the train for 25 minutes or you can walk for 20 minutes what do you do you walk right yeah if for me it's so different to also not be getting in these steps or you know I haven't been to Manhattan since March 9th I was telling my girlfriend that it's so weird and I received word this week that I'm going to be working from home that my company were working from home until September 8th. I'm like, I'm not going to see Manhattan for half a year. You know, I don't hate it, but it's not my favorite place to be. But also I'm used to it being a part of my life. 
And it's weird to think, oh, I'm not going to see it for a while. Yeah, because one thing I loved when I lived in New York was I loved just being like, it sounds cliche, but like alone in the crowd. In it. Just walking around. And, and I used to have my eye. This is this was way back in the day. I had my iPod and I put it in my uh, ears and I'd just be walking around, just people watching. And, yeah. And I just love that vibe. And to think like that Times Square is empty is insane. To, like it's so wild to me that that it could possibly be empty because I've never seen it yeah even half empty even at like three in the morning like I have a do I do a thing every right my girlfriend knows about it where it gets where it's finally kind of warm after the winter um so you can go outside you can kind of you know stand outside and be comfortable usually like in March uh, when it's not so cold and I, I like to go to Times Square at like 2 30 in the morning because there are people out but it's not so many, so you can actually kind of, you know, I say this with the, like with quotes, uh, enjoy Times Square. And it's worse than that now, like in the middle of the day, nobody's there. It's not a version of New York you're used to seeing or that I'm used to seeing. I mean, I love New York regardless, but it's just, it's hard to watch this city that all of us really love. I know I sound really campy and cliche right now, but it's hard to watch this like city that, you know, that for me, it's what it's taught me a shitload. It's hard to see it not itself or sick I guess I mean that is the right word it's hard to see it sick yeah well I'm glad though that people are because here in New Orleans and it sounds like people in in New York aren't doing this but people aren't wearing masks they're not really following the stay six feet away thing I don't know if they think they're invincible or if they are just listening to our lovely president this is all clearly a scam so that we could get him out of office you know his son today said that that the day after the election yeah the day after the election eric trump says there's going to be no covid i'm like get the fuck out of here oh. um but i don't know if that's what people are doing but like people aren't following the rules and i'm like you know what you can do to stay alive for yourself follow the rules yeah wear your mask it's annoying i i hate it as much as anybody i i do not like wearing a mask but you know what i do it why because you know i care about my girlfriend and i don't want to get her sick i don't want to get anybody else sick if i were sick and i also don't want to get sick i don't know i'd say like maybe like 20 percent of the people i see aren't wearing masks it's a weird observation it's like you'll see a couple and a guy won't be wearing the mask but the girl will and it's like, that's, that's not helping anybody. No. <laughs> or uh, some runners might not be, you'll, you'll see random people sometimes, or they'll, they'll have their mask, but it's in their hand as they're walking down the street. And it's just like, you know, fucking put your mask on. Yeah. I'm, I, I will say this. I'm, I'm fortunate, like in this neighborhood that I'm in, it's people are paying attention and they're wearing masks. Occasionally, you know, we'll see an asshole, but Someone was saying, like, in Astoria, in Queens, like, people were not even paying attention at all to, like, the actual social distancing rules. I read this thing. I read this article last night, and it got me so heated. It was uh, this, I will say, loosely journalist. She she wrote this article about how in Manhattan they're having these secret underground parties despite the pandemic. And it's, like, you know, influencers and models showing up. But it's only, like, 20 to 30 people. But they're still fucking meeting now because it's underground and it's secretive. It's ridiculous. That pissed me off so much. Read there was a part in the article because, you know, it, it was these 20-somethings, and they said something like, it doesn't really hurt us. And I'm like, watch the news it's killing everybody yes they thought oh it doesn't affect kids now there's kids dying it's oh they don't think it affects animals the tiger got like yeah. they don't know enough about it for you <laughs> to say like and you don't know you don't know no. enough about it to say like i'm invincible and i can't get right. covid or even if i get it i'm fine and it's like that's not how that. it works you can also yeah. be fine and give it to your grandmother you want to kill your yeah. grandmother like it, it's just it's so wild to me how people 
you know, you think it's a time when they're going to come together and we're all going to be like, we're all one community and this affects everybody. And and some people are, and there's a lot of like awesome shit happening in the world. And then there's a few jerks that like ruin it. No, no, you're completely right. No, it, and that's, that's what annoys me. I'm like, there are people I'm just like, we're not telling like, it's, I'll say it. It's like, you know, straight dudes. Like, oh, I have to wear a mask. It's like no one's saying you're not a man. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Pick a manly. Pick pick one yeah. that has the fucking jets or whatever your team is. Yeah, like, the, like you know. Know, wear your mask. Like you know, be a man. Like we get it. You have a small dick or something, but like just wear the mask. Like I don't care. Like just keep everyone safe. It's it's very it's it's annoying the way people are looking at it, and I think just because you know all we do is spend our time watching people because we're right looking outside all the time just seeing people that observe it you know you don't think about them but the ones you remember are the ones that aren't wearing the mask and it's like how, how long is it going to take for you to get this yeah i mean we're going to keep coming out because louisiana now we're back at 25 percent. things are opening and i i think it's a bad idea and i think we're going to have to go right back to full stay-at-home order because if our cases were down, which they're not. And if people were abiding by the six feet away and the masks and uh, properly sanitizing, then, then maybe we could start, but it's, we're not ready. And I just, it's made me go out even less. Like I, we used to go to the grocery store a lot more. Now we're like, we stocked up on a lot of stuff and we're like, we're just going to make this work here. Do you all go together to the grocery store? May I ask that? We were uh, originally, uh, and then we stopped, you know, we stopped doing that. My girlfriend, her, she's part of the co-op, which I don't know if you're familiar with the co-op. It's a cult, but... Is that from, from Broad City? The one that... <laughs> see, see, yeah, everyone uses that as a reference. She's <laughs> part of the Park Slope co-op, which is uh, its complete own thing. It's a cult, like I'll say it, but also <laughs> you get groceries for a pretty cheap price. And, you know, all she really has to do is, you know, do a three-hour shift every couple weeks. And I mean... They, it takes a lot to get kicked out because she misses shifts all the time. She can hear me now and I'm still not scared. <laughs> but <laughs> now I guess the co-op has like rules. Like they have it all out. Like certain people can come out. You have to wait six feet apart. Um, there's a specific map to go that you have to go through in order to get stuff. So you need to know what you're going to get ahead of time because you're only allowed once through there. And she goes on. She She's um, immune compromised. So she goes on a specific day. But she... It's like she has to go by herself. So she goes every two weeks and then she just has this shitload of food. And I'm like, oh, it would, it would help if I can go with you. But also it's like that's not helpful to anybody else, you know? Yeah. Yeah. There's no – because at first we thought like we'll go to – we'll do this together. And then it's like we don't both need to put ourselves at risk. Mm-mm. And it's it's a mess going places now because I don't know about you, but I get all – I get stressed out if someone even comes like near me now. I'm like, don't – like six feet. I yelled, I yelled at like this general store. <laughs> a couple weeks ago this girl was looking at makeup and I was like it's like this cheap save a lot spot and she was looking at makeup but she was like not abiding by these social distancing rules and it was very early I think I hadn't left the house in like maybe two weeks and I kind of yelled I was like six feet and it's just it's like she didn't get it and also she was buying makeup at the fucking <laughs> dollar store and I was like bitch no one's looking at you <laughs> it's a, it's essential items it's like yeah. what you define as essential isn't necessarily what's essential I was like, girl, you, you you probably gonna do best if you just don't do anything at all. Like she was buying some cheap ass fucking cover up, and I was like, that's not, it's not, that's not. COVID isn't worth that. No, no, not at all. Yeah. So um, we'll shift gears a, a little bit because uh, I, I know I sound like a crazy person because I at first, you know, I I wasn't as vigilant, but then I've just. You know, one time my girlfriend and I were on a walk and a biker went by us and then sneezed without a mask on. Like, we're done. This is, I don't know where that sneeze went. Uh, That was weeks ago. So, you know, nothing came of it. But that was just 
just thinking about it, it's like, ah. Yeah. Oh, um, I would. I, yeah. I like, I'm like, you know, cover your, cover your nose, cover your mouth. Like what the hell? Yeah. It's, it's a, it's changed me. I'm very, I'm very, it's like borderline cr- crazy now because I'm just like, what, you know, we wash our hands every time we come inside and we actually started doing the crazy stuff maybe 10 days before everyone else, just cause it helped our anxiety. So we've been doing shit since February. Oh, wow. Yeah. It, it was weird. Uh, I'll say this, Leslie, that's, that's my girlfriend's name. She's, she's actually kind of uh, not, she's not like a, you can't say, Oh, I'm like obsessed with COVID, but she was like obsessed with COVID before it hit. I guess that was her thing but every morning we would wake up and it was like in february and it was just like her giving me the death count of covid already so by the time it hit the u.s i was like listen i've been already like this so when in order to help our anxiety we just kind of like started carrying around purell or like washing our hands not touching our face and just being more cautious of things like not touching poles in the subway which is hard yeah it was weird i, I look like a dick because i had like the napkin and i would just like <laughs> take it out because like, i've only ever seen older women do that and it's like you know on a sunday after church and i'm like taking out my, my tissue and putting it there and holding it and then getting off the train throwing that and then spraying my hands and i look very ocd but i'm, I'm actually kind of glad we did it yeah it's like so what you look ocd you didn't you know catch anything so like, yep. laugh laugh at my my OCD look in this. There we go. That's totally fine. Is your girlfriend a performer at all? No, she is not. She she works in uh she, she works in fashion photography or she worked in I mean now it's at a pause, but she worked freelance fashion photography, but she's performed a couple of times on shows where they've asked her to. Oh wow, okay. Cuz I was going to ask, you know, how how is it being a performer and then being with a, a non-performer? I like it. I've never really hardcore dated any performers. I mean, it's it's part of it when you're doing it because those are the people you see all the time but I like the fact that she doesn't do comedy because you know I'm I couldn't deal with her being on and me being on at the same time it's interesting I like having someone that is completely kind of she's connected to it now because she, you know all my friends are her friends that are happen to be comics but I like that she doesn't like when I talk about work aka comedy you know she won't talk about comedy either I guess is the best way to say it yeah you know I'm like we we got the same shit but um you know i think for me i think it's it's easier for me dating a non-performer i think than for her to date a performer because you you know this like we're we're weird we're fucking weird i'm you know i'm an asshole you know she's seen me bomb and you know comforting me after i bomb it has to be the hardest thing ever she's she deals with me sometimes when i'm on when i when i don't when i'm worried i'm she's like you're on and i, I know i'm like wow I, I don't know why i am or just um i feel like it has to be harder to date me than it is to date her also i mean she's amazing and uh, that's let's just say that but her also i think having to deal with other comedians that are my friends it's fun to when you know before this should happen to be out a bar and then she would you know go to a show and then we'd get drinks after and all the comedians are there and I just walk away and I leave her in the circle with all these people with social anxiety and I like to see what happens (laughs) she's like that might be fun for you (laughs) and she's like why do you do that it's just it's funny and she's like I'm in oh god it's 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 me but it's just funny and i think that's the hard part because it's 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 just her dealing with you know most of us are fucking nerds and we're weird and she she navigates it and handles it very well but it's i think it's just i have it easier than she does should i say yeah i I always find it so fascinating that because comics are weird we're fucking weird we'll say shit on stage that you think like we're like that off stage and we're totally not. And there's a lot of social anxiety and just anxiety Mm -hmm. in general. And I think it's so interesting, like who chooses to do comedy. Yeah. 
No, complete. I, I I agree with that. It's it's so interesting. No, you're completely right. Like stuff I stands I say on stage. That's a part of you. Like that's part of a like, you know a, not like a character, but that's just like a person who you are on that stage. It's not your real person. Because I'm aware of like I come off kind of bitchy on stage, and I mean I know I'm kind of an asshole, but um I'm also know that I'm actually a nice person, and I feel like stage. Veronica doesn't go to church, but you know, actual Veronica, like I'm Catholic. It, it's weird. Like people, like how is this? Like, what, what did one guy ask me before? Before I knew I was gay and I was dating guys. One guy once asked me. This was early. This was when I was doing comedy in Texas. He asked me after one of my shows. He goes, "Um, how many abortions have you actually had?" Whoa. And I realized that my set. Well, I mean, uh, that was my set, and I'm just like, wow, what am I putting out there as a comedian? Because apparently, that's what my jokes were about. Yeah, but that's none of his fucking business, regardless. But I was just like, I was talking about it and I'm just like, oh, you know what? That's not the Veronica on stage. I, I you know, kind of want to be. I'm just like, that's well, also I'm like, how many jokes do I have about that? That's uh, too repetitive and unoriginal. But yeah, it was just kind of like, oh, this stage persona, it's it's uh, completely different. And people don't know that, you know. I always think like if you see a comedian that's like an asshole on stage, they're usually pretty much a nice person in real life. Yeah, yeah. And then, sometimes, occasionally, there's a bad apple or two. I mean, most of the straight dudes, you know, I've, some are nice, but most of them are dicks, and um, or at least in the New York, should I say, scene. I, you know, I I think the ones that I, I think I'm very lucky that the friends that are my comedians now are completely like they're like we can hang out off stage and they're great to talk to and they're mature but they're completely different set of comedians that I hung out maybe like four years ago or something like that I think that's the way I, I would that's kind of how I see it right now so how, how long have you been doing comedy that's an interesting question that I have to ask myself all the time I started comedy in Texas I started in Dallas the first time I hit a mic was in May of 2010 and then I did comedy probably for about another three or four months. And then I didn't do it again for the rest of that time. And I was in Texas. I moved to New York in July 2011. And uh, probably about my almost second month here. Were you, how long ago did you live here? I was there 2005 to 2008. So it was a very, very long time ago. <laughs> you were, no, you remember then Eastville. Uh, remind me. Second Avenue and 4th Street by KGB Bar. Eastville was like, so basically East Village. You It was downstairs off of 4th Street. Um, it's okay if you don't remember it. Yeah, I know. I didn't do comedy when I was there. So oh, okay. is that a comedy okay. thing? Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's a comedy place and I went to it's since then shut down and there's one in Brooklyn now but by all means I'm, I'm glad it, it shut down I did a mic there and it was horrible like you know it was a typical mic now that I know there was a typical mic nobody listened nobody gave a fuck that I was on stage talking no one cared what I had to say and so all I could think to myself was oh I probably shouldn't even try to do comedy in New York so I didn't do comedy for another two years and then you know life happened I you know did did the New York thing, you know, go out, go out, meet people, live a life is the way I should say it. But I caught myself still writing shit down. And then I decided one day to hit up the creek, creek in the cave. And I, I went there and, and it was when the creek was still the creek. I mean, I'll say like the creek now or even prior to this, like the past couple of years, it's it's um, slowly gone downhill and it doesn't have the same credibility credibility that it used to have. But at that time, it was like on it. And so I just I started going mics there. And so I, I would say, it's weird to say I've done comedy for 10 years. I guess I could say I've done, I tried comedy in Dallas, but I actually do comedy in New York. And then that's been for like the past eight years. Because you took a break, you came to New York, you had a, a shitty mic experience. 
And then you didn't go back out there. Like, cause it sounds like it was always in the back of your head. Like what got you back on stage? I remember once with some friends, we were out on a Sunday, we were just, you know, getting brunch and then getting drinks. And then a friend's friend was performing, uh, at the women's mic at, uh, the old, uh, Lower East Side UCB location. So we went to that and I was seeing it and I'm like, oh, I kind of, I, I kind of want to do this. And it stayed in the back of my mind. And then something about me still like, I wasn't trying to write bits, but stuff, I would say things or I'd think things and I would still write them down. And I'm just thinking, why, why am I writing down? What are you going to do with this? Do you, do you want to go on stage? And it, it just, it seemed like it was it's you know it's part of who I am yeah I definitely understand that yeah like do you, you get that like it's like it's like oh no they're like why do you do it I'm like because I have to yeah no I because I always like growing up I was really shy so I always was interested in writing I thought that's what my passion mm-hmm. was but once I got on stage and by no means did I do well in my first six months <laughs> at all but I just could I couldn't resist the urge to get back out there even though you sit there for three four hours to do three to four minutes of time. I just, I loved everything about it. Oh, it's so good. It's just that feeling. It's just like one joke that can, that can, that crushes. Oh, like hold you over for like the next couple of days. It's just like, Oh yeah, I did. That was nice. That was nice. I mean, usually you do well, that joke crushes. Then you go to a show right after that, or you go to a mic after that and you bomb. So you remember like 30 <laughs> minutes that you felt good. But it's so good. Like uh, a lot of people, they do equate it to drugs and like they're completely right. It's like the best high you'll ever have. Yeah, for sure. My, my favorite high, I guess, out of it is, and I, yeah, I used to say that's like an adrenaline rush like no other. Like mm-hmm. you might want to jump out of a plane. You go do that. I want to get up on stage and risk saying my thoughts out loud and hoping somebody connects to them. Yeah. My like favorite ultimate high is when I just freestyle something on stage and I almost don't even realize I'm saying it and it just yeah. it's hard and it becomes one of my like staple jokes and I'm just like where did that come from yeah and it just came out yeah oh I, I I know exactly what type of tags you're talking about where I'm just saying something and then it just clicks like it's weird I don't know if you if yours is out of body in body but I'm like I'm there I know my set and it's not like a robot but you know like these are the words so you're saying them but then outside in the middle of it something's like hey add this tag and i don't know what the fuck it is that tells me hey add this tag in the middle of it for the first time in the middle of these people i'm like that's risky but you do it and you know when you do it, oh that's gonna fucking go great and it does yeah and you're like that's better than the thing i planned <laughs> like well fuck i was like well fuck that i didn't even get to the tag that's it all right cool end it right there like it's that's like that's such a fun feeling oh absolutely glad you understand that oh, sometimes it. people are like wait why wouldn't you just say what you plan to say and i'm like well I didn't plan no. to say this other thing. It just happened. I, I mean, I hate, to, I hate to say it. I feel like there are some comics out there that that's what they do. I've seen them. And those are the same comics that are telling, they've been telling the same jokes for, you know, five years. But then there are those that you have your set. Oh, I kind of want to do this. But you decide, oh, I'm going to throw the, this happened to come up while I was in there because you're still actually working on it. And so that's, that's a muscle that's working now, even when you didn't think it was working. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I do want to go back to the, you brought up that you are Catholic. Mm-hmm. You're still a practicing Catholic? Yeah, I'd say for the most part, I think being Mexican, for me, it holds more of a place of like, that's traditional. In that sense, like I run very well on structure. 
So um, that's maybe part of it. But also coming to New York, I feel like the only place where it gets quiet and no one's around and you can actually hear your thoughts is a church. So that's kind of when I worked in lower Manhattan, like I would go sit in this one Catholic church. I was like, let me find the Catholic church. And I went and, you know, I liked it. I don't like all Catholic churches. It takes me a while to find one. But I mean, I say I'm still practicing in the sense that, you know, I take communion, you know, I enjoy the fact that I believe in a God if someone doesn't. Okay. But Also, I think it's very ingrained in my Mexican heritage. And for living in Brooklyn, the church that I just started going to before this, uh, they have a very strong LGBT community. So for me, like that, it just happens to work out. I have this bit. I think, did I talk about it last time where I was like, the Catholic I am is like, I, I saw this shirt of Jesus crossing over the devil. And that's the type of Catholic I feel I am. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, like, oh, she likes basketball. There's Jesus. Cool. <laughs> I'm not obsessed with them, not fully committed to it. But I, I think for me, it, it's what keeps me grounded in some sense. So I hold on to that. But I mean, I'm not going to debate about my Catholicism with people who talk about, you know, certain things that happen on with the church. Like that's what I'm, I'm not the person to speak for that. Like I'm Jewish. I can't defend every <laughs> Jewish person right. or the Orthodox folks, you know, they have that unorthodox show on Netflix and it's just like, yeah, that right. that's a group of Jewish people. I don't know them or anything about them. I guess the reason that I brought it up and it was interesting. You mentioned that there's a LGBTQ contingency, I guess, with the Catholic church is I'm always mm-hmm. interested in queerness and religions that, traditionally don't accept queer folks. I'll, I'll share this with you really quickly. We went to uh, Paris maybe two years ago, sorry, in 2018. And we went to Notre Dame. And we're, you know, looking around. I think it's amazing. I know, you know, this the history. I'm like, oh, this is lovely. And then I see a sign there that says um, confession. You know, it's open from this time. If you're in English, you can go to these ones. And Leslie looked at me because I was like, oh, should I go to confession right now you know I'm, I'm in Paris I'm in, I'm in Notre Dame and she's she's like if you're gonna do it do it here and I'm like yeah because I hadn't been to confession in a while anyway and while I'm at confession I'm talking to this priest very nice guy and he's telling he's talking you know father tell me this whatever he, we're just talking about my life and he goes are you in a relationship he goes are you married I go no I'm in a relationship he goes oh do you have a husband I said no I have a girlfriend and it didn't take him a long time it was just a pause and then he goes well do you love her? And I said, yes. He goes, you're in love. You love her. I said, yeah. He goes, well, then that's really all that matters. Oh, wow. And that I was like, what? I was so nervous because I'm like, oh, he's about to say some shit. But he just said, eh, you love her. And I'm like, yeah. He goes, and that's all that matters. He said, uh, love is, is you know, the most universal thing we have. That's incredible. I thought that yeah. story was going to go another way, <laughs> for sure. I got kicked out. Yeah, I was just like, I was like, how do, what, do they kick people out of church? Like, what happens? <laughs> I got out of there, and I remember I couldn't talk to my girlfriend. I needed, like, 15 wide to go do my penance, but also I had to just sit there and, like, cry because I'm like, that's it. That's what you're supposed to say to someone. Like, as long as you love them, that's all that fucking matters. And I think that's what I keep in my mind when people are like oh how are you still catholic i'm like because this they don't have a problem with me being gay yeah in different podcast interviews we've had a lot of folks that you know grew up very religious in a religion that still isn't tolerant and it's really mm-hmm. difficult to navigate that so it's great to see a religion that may have been you know at one time not accepting to be open to that and to open to change like that's that's a wonderful story yeah yeah it's crazy i like how you were like i thought you were gonna 
freaked out. They were like, who this, <laughs> this woman? I was ready to send some angry tweets. That's all I have to say. Send them to Notre Dame. This is why you burned. <laughs> I was like, no. I was like, what kind of sad? People were like, Catholic this. I'm like, you know what? I had a great time there. Yeah. <laughs> I had acceptance. It was pretty cool. Yeah. Which, yeah, that's, that's, it's crazy to hear that. And I just, like, I'm always, when I tell people, I'm like, that's, that's my story with that. Yeah, no, that's, that's really wonderful. And I'm glad too, because you could have gone in there and just not said anything. It was super scary. Cause at that moment, I'm just like, you're, you're coming out to the church. And, uh, it was still not harder than coming out to my mom, but still I did it. And they were, they were nice. Maybe another priest would have said something different. Yeah, no, I wouldn't ask for a second opinion on that. I'd be like, uh-uh, I'm good. <laughs> you sure, Father? Because I'll go, I'll go next door. There's not a long wait. No one. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. How how was coming out to your mom? Was that a different kind of experience? It wasn't hard. I I didn't. It took a long time because I came out. I came out to her over the phone because I was in New York City, and it's interesting because you know I feel like your parents know before you do most of the time. Me too. <laughs> They already know. Like my mom already knew. I mean, besides the fact that everything I did as a kid, oh, I was super gay. Come on. And when you look at back at it now, it's like no one should love basketball that much. But I did. And when I told her, she she like legit was quiet. She it wasn't that long. I it wasn't like that big of a pause or wasn't dramatic, but she was like, Okay, well, don't don't date anyone ugly. <laughs> That's the true story. <laughs> yeah, like that that yeah. I forgot. That's a that became a bit because it's true. And it's funny because I talk about it, I'm like, she was like supportive. She was progressive, but also shallow. Yeah. And um, no, no uggos. <laughs> she was like, oh, no ugly gay women, please. Like, that's I'm like, okay, Mexican mother right there. But that's exactly what she said. And it took her, I would say it took her a while to like, get used to I've seen her over the years now, like, she'll send me like a shirt, like, at jc penny like she you know when jc penny hadn't gone down but i guess there was a pride section and there were some shirts and she's like oh i'm gonna get her a shirt like i was like she'll try to buy me like pride stuff i guess she told me the story about like some guy was complaining like why is all that gay stuff here and she's like who cares don't buy the shirt no one's forcing you to Aww, like she told him and i was like that's great oh you'll like this she she called me the day she's like there's this new movie about these lesbians it has that one the one uh, from gray's anatomy in that one from gilmore girls i was like you talking about jenny's wedding she's like like a mom that's an old lesbian <laughs> But, but also good job mom <laughs> it was cute that she was like excited to tell me about this lesbian movie that she saw the trailer for and uh that was kind of funny and then uh I guess a gay guy lived down the street from her or from her, my parents and he was having like a garage sale and she was looking and she was talking to him and then he brought his partner out and then she was like oh and I heard her the way she said it. she's like yeah my daughter and her girlfriend in New York and she was like excited to be like hey I got one you know <laughs> <laughs> and I thought it was funny so and she like she's Matt Leslie and I know that they all love her and so I think it just took her a while like when I go home I sometimes have to like she'll ask I think it's interesting she asked me questions like she asked me one day she's like well what is trans and I explained it to her and she's like, okay, what? She was like, then she, she, from there, she was like, what's this, this, uh, they pronoun. And then I had to explain, you know, non-binary to her, her telling me that she thought a kid, this kid, this girl, uh, she works with the city of Dallas. She works with the rec rec with the parks and recreation. She was telling me how a girl's said she's gay and the kids were like she's saying she's gay and my mom's like so what of it like she's it's interesting to see like her growth with it yeah that's really fantastic yeah and I think that's really cool to watch because I know at first it, I think it was just yeah you know but maybe she would have been excited that I never found out I was 
and then lived a life, you know, just, I don't know. It's a weird, you know, she's in Texas. So, yeah. but I think that me finding out that me telling her that I know I am or whatever, and then her kind of going, Oh, okay. This, this is, this is who she is. And this is what makes her happy. And then her being able to realize, Oh, okay. This, this is what, this is what I'm supposed to be. It's, it's cool to see her like embrace it. Yeah, absolutely. And also to other, like to strangers at JC Penny, be like, mind your own fucking business <laughs> i thought that was great because she's like some fucking dude was just was like Ugh, that's ugly i gotta do that she goes you don't have to buy it no one's forcing you like why are you even worried about it like what like, she was just like what's this guy's deal and i thought i thought that was great that she was like calling this idiot out because it's true it's like dude no one's making you fucking buy this that's like you know she, it was funny though because she had it to, she sent it to me and it was like a kid's medium and i was like all right cool <laughs> You're like thanks mom <laughs> <laughs> i mean yeah it's pretty tight shirt but uh about it. and now like she'll send me like like if she finds something oh i thought you know this was for this on pride and i'm like well take it from me or, or like oh like speaking of my catholicism i found a, a little pin at my parents place like maybe like two years ago and it was like a little rainbow and i had a cross near it and i'm like oh dang did, did i make this and she goes no i saw that and i bought it for you Aww. you know she knows the rainbow thing and i think that's great that she she knows that and she's aware and that she's like willing to ask me questions so that she understands it because I know that she works with kids a lot too. So it's like her being like, well, what do I tell a kid that's, that's gay? I'm like, you, you don't have to tell him anything. Yeah, absolutely. Tell him it's okay. <laughs> and she's like, yeah, okay. Cause a lot, you know, at the rec center that she works at, some of the kids don't know they're gay, but they're, you know, their, their parents don't know and can't know because, you know, the parents would, you know, hurt the kid probably or something like that. It's not the safest. So she's like trying to make sure she can, keep that bubble so she's i think she's a way better person than me yeah she's she's actually putting work into being an ally which is really cool to see yeah. versus someone just like oh i have gay friends i'm an ally and it's like but there's yeah. there's some more work you can do and if you have questions it's okay to ask them because we'd rather i know me i'd rather you ask me right? than just go around making assumptions or going to the internet and getting whatever answer you get totally yeah I, I love that she'll like she'll ask me and she's like okay well what what about what's what's this mean and me explaining these terms to her I'm like all right cool let me tell you I know the one question she hasn't asked me is how uh me and my girlfriend have sex and that's just waiting to see what the day she gets bold yeah it's like maybe Christmas after a few hot toddies <laughs> this past week because she actually she's she sent us a care package during the pandemic and uh, we called to tell her thank you we FaceTimed her and Leslie was cooking in the kitchen and she goes I heard her be like oh so 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 Leslie does all the cooking and I'm like no <laughs> She's like trying to snoop around. She's like trying to figure it out. <laughs> like, and then I was like, no, sometimes I cook. And she's like, oh shit, what what I thought I had to figure it out. It's cool. It's throwing like throwing Maria for a loop is fun. But she's harm I, I think it's great that she like understands it now. Yeah, and I think um so this is about time for us to wrap up. And I'm glad we we have a couple of great stories at the end to leave this on a positive note because we started talking about all the COVID stuff and I was just like oh man oh, it's like dark. We, we turned it right around and I feel I feel pretty good about that good. but if you want to let folks know uh, where they can find you on social media if you have any upcoming sure. online shows or uh, podcasts or anything else that you want to let people know about Sure thing um yeah well find me on facebook just look up veronica garza veronica garza comedian or comedy and the only veronica garza in comedian in new york so that should be easy to find find me on twitter at veros underscore broke just like no money find me on instagram at veros underscore got underscore jokes and yeah that's that's the social find me on youtube bronca garza comedy that uh you know i'm bored i google myself on youtube uh, every day 
Why not? Remember when you used to perform, Amanda? It was great. Yeah, uh, just find me on that or, you know, just just message me and say hi and say what's up. Yeah, yeah, sounds good. And thank you. Thank you so much for having this this conversation. This was a lot of fun. Thank you so much for having me. Who here has made a sex tape? I'm not trying to like rat you out. I'm just trying to see how intimate we can be. All right, cool. There you go. All right, with homies. Cool. Um, like everyone else and myself, I never have because I'm not weird. Um, but I did watch a video recently of myself eating a burrito. <laughs> And I feel like that's the same thing, right? <laughs> like, I'm watching it the whole time, and I'm just thinking, yo, this girl does not love her father. <laughs> yo, someone's going to have to wash the sour cream out of them sheets. <laughs> he got dirty. I remember when I was a kid, I asked my mom, what do you do when you see a ghost? And she told me, you punch it in the nose. And I'm like, isn't that what you do when you see a shark? <laughs> and her response was, oh, a human ghost? <laughs> but like my mom, she's interested. I remember when I was, when I was, I remember when I was eight, I asked her uh, about sex. I was like, Mom, sex. She's like, what do you know? I was like, are you looking for tips? Like, <laughs> but I, was, I said, a man and a woman. She goes, what do you know? I told her, your penis, vagina. And she goes, okay, but what next? She goes, you just lay there for five minutes. I go, okay, can't two men have sex? And she goes, you ever play Tetris? <laughs> I had a Game Boy, I did. And I'm super, I have a lot of questions on my mom, can two women have sex? And she didn't say anything for 10 minutes. And then she looked me dead in the eyes and she was like, finish your tacos, but don't use your hands. <laughs> You'll get that on Tuesday. <laughs> I am originally from Texas. And there you go, they're right. No, the way to describe Texas, the way I describe it to people is last year there was an article about this woman in East Texas. She came home after dinner and in her living room she found a rattlesnake and she called animal control and in the basement they found 45 rattlesnakes, which is extra even for Texas. But the coolest part, you got, I'm serious, you gotta look this up. The guy from Animal Control, he takes a video of what he sees in the basement with his phone and the only thing he says in the video as he goes across the room is, that's a lot of snakes. <laughs> Which is right. <laughs> that's a lot of snakes. 45 is too many. It's 43 too many. Two is okay. They're cute. They're a couple, right? <laughs> 
these things. Um, uh, I'm, I'm in love, it's a, it's a, it's a cool feeling. Uh, my girlfriend, she's cute as hell. She takes pole dancing classes. Uh, so if I tell you that, I don't have to tell you she's white. <laughs> y'all white women, y'all pay for pole dancing classes. Minority, we learn on the job, all right? That's, that's what we do, we got this. Don't need instructions. We recently celebrated our three-year anniversary. Oh, I'll take that applause, she's not here, it's all for me. <laughs> But I appreciate that because uh, the lesbian community does not recognize our relationships because our relationship because we've been together three years and we are not married and we do not live together. So straight people see us, see us on the street and they're like, mm, love is love, it's great. And other lesbians see us and they're like, boo them dykes, they haven't moved in. <laughs> I think if we don't move in together in the next four months, we're only allowed to call each other special friends, right? <laughs> is, that, is that the rule? She actually went with me to Texas last year to meet my family, and it was cool because immediately upon the introduction to my mother, my mom had two questions for her. One, what do you do when you see a ghost? <laughs> and my girlfriend legit was like, is it a human ghost? And I'm like, oh, they'll get along. <laughs> and my mom then goes, do you want to go to the zoo tomorrow? Let's see some real animals. And that's just not like a weird tradition. Tickets were $7 on a Monday to the Dallas Zoo. Hell yeah, family affair, right? <laughs> so you should have saw it, it was cool. It was my Mexican mother, my Mexican brother, his Mexican wife, their two kids. Yes, Mexican. Uh, <laughs> Mexican me and my platinum blonde white girlfriend, all right? Before we went in the zoo, she push, started pushing my nephew's stroller and she was like, is this okay? I'm like, by all means, yes. Do you know how rich we looked right then? <laughs> Mexican woman, I felt 5'4 that day. <laughs> so tall. For our three-year anniversary, she bought me a new pair of Jordan 4s. And then, so I went to the back, I was like, hell yeah. <laughs> but she got me a new pair of Jordan 4s, and then my birthday was the next month, and she bought me a new tattoo. So, if I were an 18-year-old boy, I'd be crushing life right now, right? But I'm 36, so I'm two 18-year-old boys <laughs> crushing life right now. That's a math joke. <laughs> she's cool, she's great. I think it's cool that we can be together in New York City. Uh, everyone here is just so open and accepting of our relationship, despite the fact that we don't live together yet. And last, last summer we did run into an asshole though. She went to a show with me and I crushed, kind of like tonight. And we're walking the train in my head, I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna go home, fuck my white girlfriend. And this is what you do when you do well on stage. Uh, but we sit down on the train and right away she's frowning and I encourage her not to do that because like I told you earlier, she's white, they don't age well. <laughs> 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 
you're frowning at that joke, I encourage you not to do that. <laughs> so I see she's frowning. I look across from us. There's this dude giving us the stank face. And I don't know what his deal is, so I put my arm around my girlfriend to comfort her. That man said under his breath, God said it should only be a man and a woman. And I'm just like, did she say that? <laughs> and I'm, I'm super competitive. So I kissed my girlfriend at that moment. And he yelled for the entire train to hear, no one wants to see any of that gay shit. But like, the thing is, you have two cute girls, her very blonde and pretty, me very symmetrical. <laughs> Make it out in front of you and you're mad, like, yo, the only person being gay right now is you, all right? Like, how about, how about, you quit being a faggot with your dick out like the homeless man that started masturbating as soon as he saw his kids and he hasn't broken eye contact with me yet. And let me tell you something, when that homeless man finished, I heard, I heard him say it under his breath, love's love. What can I say is I love New York City. I'm Veronica Garza, thank you so much. Thank you to Veronica Garza for sharing her world with you. Special thank you to Ryan Golub and Jessa Fallon for your help editing and producing the podcast. Social media with us. Connect with us. We'd love to hear from you. On Twitter, we're at Queer to My Heart. On Instagram and Facebook, we're at Near and Queer to My Heart. If you have iTunes podcasts, throw us a good review. Five stars. Pretty, pretty please. Thank you all so much. I'm Amanda G. Hope you enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you all. you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you.